Hey, thank you all for joining us this morning, uh, whether you're in person or you're joining us on our live stream. I want to say that if you're joining us by live stream, if you'll hang with us just a few minutes after the sermon, I have some things I want to talk about as far as next steps, uh, the next phases in reopening. And so uh, don't jump off too quickly. Hey, this summer we've talked about, we're talking about overcomers. And I hope that you're coming to the place of some uh, self-awareness, I think is what I would say, about what is it that I have to overcome. And uh, we're looking at different characters from the New Testament, but ultimately it comes to the place, what is the gospel teaching me? What is the point that I am at? And we really talk, we've talked about three things that emerged as we look to the characters of the New Testament of things that they had to overcome. And uh, if we can put those on the screen, uh, if this will help you in your personal uh, self-awareness to say, what is it? Uh, is it past failure? Uh, is it a character flaw? Is it challenging circumstances? Um, you know, we have to deal with, with past failures because we live in a world that is broken and sin was interjected and there's such a prevalence of, of sin that uh, we're going to fall. And so uh, it's, it's going to be true for all of us, past failures. Character flaws, because we live in a world where there is a presence of evil. And when the world got broken, uh, my nature was corrupted. And so there are, there are character flaws in my life that I must overcome. Uh, and because our world is broken and everything in the world uh, was affected by sin, um, then there are going to be challenging circumstances that come our way, and those are going to look different for different ones of us. But that's, that's what we've been looking at, um, and we'll look at this summer through the experiences of the people that we encounter in the Bible, and then where does that um, encounter our lives? We all have something to overcome. The good news is that Jesus has the power to overcome whatever it is that comes our way. Whatever is on that list, Jesus overcomes. And we're looking at different characters, and we, we, we've seen, you know, even last week, the, um, the thief on the cross and the past failures, and we, we saw that, that Jesus forgives through the, through the power of his blood our past failures. The Sunday before, we saw the blind man in John 9 and the challenging circumstances in his life. And what we begin to discover, and we'll look at and we'll see again this summer, is that it is through the, the presence of Christ in our lives that we, we overcome, we rise above our challenging circumstances. But this, this Sunday, I want to look at someone with a character flaw. And what I want us to see is that it is through 
the transformation of God's Spirit that we overcome our character flaws. What sin corrupted, Jesus transforms. What sin corrupted, Jesus transforms. It's kind of interesting to um, think about the instances in the Bible, in the New Testament, in which it talks about being an overcomer. And according to my calculation, there are 25 times that the Scripture talks about in the New Testament about overcoming. Now, what hit me in my study for this is that 21 of those 25 occurrences occur within one person's writings. And that is John. 21 of the 25 times that the Scripture talks about overcoming is in John's writing, whether it is the Gospel of John, whether it is 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John, or whether it is the book of Revelation. 21 of the 25 occurrences occur. And so I, I had to ask the question, so what was it that John had to overcome? Because this is, this is apparently a, a really big deal to him. Because of all the things that he recorded, he keeps going back to this theme, theme, whether it's in the Gospels, whether it's in 1 John, or whether particularly in the book of Revelation. What was it that John had to overcome? Um, and, and quite honestly, we could talk about historically and from the book of Revelation, his challenging circumstance of being on the Isle of Patmos in prison for the faith. We could talk about that, but we're not going to. In fact, I, I think my hunch, my sense is that we see what it is that he had to overcome in who he became. And let me explain what I mean by that. When we begin to read John's writings, whether it's the Gospels, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation... Uh, well, you got to get this. John writes all of those things as an old man. He's probably 60 years removed from the resurrection, uh, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. 60 years have passed. And, I, and I, maybe 50 years has passed when he writes this gospel. I don't know. But he is an old man. And so when we began to look at John, and particularly from his writings, we see this picture of not so much who he was, but who he had become. And I think we get a misconception of who John was because most of what we know about him is from writings of who he became later in his life. And actually, when we do a study of, of his writings, not only do we see high frequency of the word overcoming, but there's another word. Fifty times John talks about love, agape love. 
And I didn't, I didn't do a study. Somebody Google that for me and get back with me here. Just how many times does the New Testament use love? And I, I don't know what the percentage is. It's not the same high percentage as overcome is compared to the rest of the New Testament. I know it's not that. But 50 times John talks about love. And so when we, when we read his writings, we get this picture of a gentle, compassionate, lovable, loving man. And I think somehow in our minds we get this idea, well, that's, that's just kind of who John was. And it always been just, you know. And the reason he gravitated towards love is that that was, that was, in, his, that was in his lane. That was in his wheelhouse. That's, just, that's who he was by nature. He was just this loving guy. And actually when we begin to look into the New Testament, we see... I don't think that's the case at all. I think the reason he talks so much about love is that was not who he was, but that's who Jesus made him to be. Do you understand? Now, uh, my hunch is that is not where he started now, there are, there are a lot of stories about John in the New Testament. But most of the stories are about things that he did. There are not a lot of stories uh, that have biographical insight into his personality. There's just a few stories that give us a glimpse. But when we begin to look at those stories that give us an indication of his personality, it verifies my hunch from the beginning that what it was that John had to overcome was a character flaw of being unloving. Uh, and notice just three of these little stories. In, uh, in Mark's Gospel, in chapter 9, verse 38. Now these are the stories, so many stories. I mean, John's Obviously, he's a leading character. He's in, he's in the inner circle of Jesus. And yes, he's there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes and gets the donkey for the triumphal entry. He sets up for the Lord's Supper. He's at the trial of Jesus. He's at the cross of Jesus. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He is, he is in the inner circle. So many stories about John, but very few that give us insight into his personality until we come to these three stories that I want to just read this morning. But John 9, verse 38, it says, Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. Now in Baptist circles, when John says this and Jesus looks at him, we would have just said, well, bless your heart, brother. It's like, Jesus, I'm, listen, there's a guy out there casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And I told him to stop it because he's not one of us. Well, bless your heart, brother. How high and mighty you must feel about yourself that you know what I realized when you read that story about John John was intolerant 
which is not really in the synonyms of love. When you think of someone being loving, you don't really think of someone who is intolerant. But I think the story illustrates, draws out. I wanted to say this. This is a little bit of a plug. And I don't have long to plug this morning. The YouTube series called The Chosen. I don't know if any of y'all have come across that. Uh, but it's, it's on the life of Jesus. Look at it. The Chosen. You can order the DVD. Season 1 is finished. But what I love about that series is it, it imagines what some of the backstories were to some of the characters in the Bible. It's based on the Bible, but it also provides backstory for the characters. And so, obviously, some of those things aren't in the Bible, but it gives us what they imagine would be the backstory. And what I'm telling you, if you did the backstory for John the Apostle, you do not find this gentle, compassionate, uh, caring, lovable, loving man. No, you get this guy who was a little bit harsh and judgmental. And he was intolerant of others. I think that's the backstory for John. In Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 35, another story. And what we see in the story, and this is one you're, you're familiar with, he was not only intolerant, he was also self-seeking. In verse 35 of Mark 10, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, hmm, who Jesus nicknamed the sons of thunder, thinking, doesn't sound like your guy who's just kind of easygoing and loving and gets along with everybody. I don't know why. Um, I'm sorry. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> well, bless your heart, brother. You just, this is cringeworthy right here. It's like, we want you to do for us whatever we want. And he said to them, what do you want me to do? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. Don't you just love John? What a wonderful, loving, caring man he was. But Jesus said to him, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left, hand, left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And here it is in verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased, James and John because of the spirit of being self-seeking. Even the other ten knew they were out of line with what was in line with being a follower of Jesus Christ. One final story in Luke 9, verse 51. And um, <clears throat> the problem is if you're in life group with the preacher, sometimes the preacher turns to you as you're making a comment Eddie Weaver, and says, just listen to the sermon this morning. Brother, this one's for you. Here we go. Bless his heart. Story number three. Luke 9, 
51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Oh, my goodness. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Brother, your spirit is way out of line. John was vindictive. Lord, let's get him. The sons of thunder said, let's send a little lightning with the thunder. Let's get him, God, just like Elijah did. Oh, so spiritual sounding. So really, when you begin to look at these biographical stories of John where we see insights into his personality, what we truly discover of who he was was that he was intolerant, he was self-seeking, and he was vindictive. John's character flaw was that he was unloving. In his fallen human nature, I want us to understand this. And I don't really know that the term character flaw is the best description of what I'm trying to communicate, but it was the phrase that I came up with a couple weeks ago. I want you to understand character flaws. Now what we know in the Bible is that when sin entered the world, that sin corrupted everything. The natural order uh, uh, it affected our bodies so that sickness came and death in turn came. But sin not only corrupted everything out in creation, sin also corrupted everything inside of me so that it corrupted my nature. Here it is. In turn, sin then exploits aspects of my personality. And this is different for each one of us. There are points of weakness where sin, <laughs> Satan, the temptation to, tempt to, uh, to, to sin, finds a point of weakness and sin exploits that I don't know, personality trait, that flaw in our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know exactly what it was in John, but the sin nature found a point to exploit so that he became unloving. That was how it demonstrated itself. I don't know what that, I don't know about your life. We're going to look at some other characters later in the summer. Let me tell you one person I do know, or at least try to know, and that is myself. And I want to confess to you today that I have issues. Now, I know you snicker, 
it's just easier for me to talk about me than to talk about you right now, okay? So get off your high horse. Because I'm going to say at the end, we've all got things we've got to deal with. I got issues, you got issues. We all got issues. Uh, when I was a little boy, I had a temper. I, I've said this in church before. Brother George, I would say I was a hothead and a liar. The problem is, yeah, when you got a temper, then you always want to be right. And when you argue and the facts aren't on your side, then you got to lie to make your point and be right which is not really right, but I'm just saying that's how illogical sin is. I'm just telling you. Where sin exploited my life, I would say mostly as a little boy, you know, okay. Over a lot of that right now. Uh, the other thing I think about is, and I know this sounds ironic because I'm standing up here and talking in front of all you people, but I am not naturally gifted to speak to people and so when God as a teenager begins to speak to me about going into the in, into the ministry I don't have this natural ability to speak in front of people okay that's that's bad the other thing is I have this this over concern about what people think about me I'm concerned about my image and what you think about me well, if I can't speak and you're going to put me up in front of people and then judge me, and I'm going to, you understand, this is a bad thing. And so as a 17-year-old boy, I'm just thinking, no, this is, this is not good. This is not going to work out. No, God, I don't want to do that. I'm not gifted at speaking in front of people, and I care too much about what people think about me. It's not a good com combination to be a preacher. And so what I'm I'm telling you today is I have issues. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm better, but I have issues. But the point and the truth of today is that Jesus overcomes our character flaws by the transformation of his spirit. Jesus overcomes our character flaws by the transformation of his spirit. What sin corrupts, Jesus transforms. And so what I would say today is I am not who I was. And I think the great testimony of John is that, is that he is going in eternity. And that's what we envision from the start. This overcomer's club in eternity of saying, this is what I overcame through the power of Jesus. Whether it was challenging circumstances or a character flaw or past failures, Jesus overcame it all. John in eternity will be a trophy of transformation to the power of Jesus Christ that Jesus could take a man that was so unloving and he would be the very epitome of what it means to love. Amen? Yeah. And it'd be like, I, I get this sense that if we had walked with Jesus, we would have seen him in a different dimension. And I believe it would have been his love. He would have, he would have been a man of love.
And you can read the Bible, but I think to have walked with him. And I believe John was transformed by walking with Jesus. And then John was transformed by the the spirit of Jesus that was poured into his life. And you see it in his writings as he begins to talk those 50 times that he talks about love. And he describes himself, remember in his gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we get this idea that he talks about love because that was his natural bent. And I would say, no, that's actually, it's the very opposite. It was because he was so unloving and Jesus transformed him into such a loving man that he becomes this trophy of transformation. So Jesus is doing the same thing in our lives. Whatever it is in your life is that point of weakness, that character flaw that sin has exploited. Jesus has the power to transform that through his spirit. That process will continue until Jesus calls us home. There'll there'll always be work to do, but someday in eternity... Some of us also will be trophies of transformation in the Overcomers Club. And we will testify that Jesus overcame whatever character flaw it was by the transformation of his spirit. I want to read one last verse. Oh, why don't you stand? You'll, ha- you'll think that we're almost finished. so many verses that John talks about overcoming, but the one I want to leave us with today, and then I want to pray, make a few announcements, and then we're done. 1 John 4, 4. Some of you know this. It's in the section on love, because he talks about love in 1 John 3 and 4. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Notice what he says next. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I think we we forget that sometimes. In the midst of our world, it seems like the world is in on us. I I need to hear that today. That Jesus' power to transform me is greater than what sin has done in my life or what the world does to me. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? I want to pray today to close. Um, And I want to say, there is so much division in our country right now. There are so many extremes on all spectrums that are pulling us apart. The only hope that I know is in Christ. And the only hope in Christ I know is that in the midst of the hate and the division that God's people would love. It's our only hope. Speaking to you as Americans, I'm speaking to you as Christians in America. It's our only hope. Oh, I don't know. I better shut up. That's enough. That's what I wanted to say. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to use that word, am I? 
God's still working on me. Amen. I haven't arrived. But someday when I get to heaven, you'll go, oh, that's what God had intended for Daryl Smith. That's a lot better than we saw in real life. Amen. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, today we, we pray for the transformation of your spirit in our lives. And I pray the church. Oh, I think about what Jesus said. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Jesus, I pray in the midst of so much division that there would be an otherworldly love to our lives that would change the very environment of our country. And so, Father, we thank you for the power of Jesus and whether it's our, our sin that the blood of Jesus forgives or whether it's our flaws that the Spirit transforms or whether it's our circumstances that are challenging that the, the presence of Christ helps us to rise above, then, Father, we pray that we would know and our testimony would be that we too are overcomers. And we trust this to you and we pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.